everybody and welcome to Coach's Corner. This was an ironic episode for me to record because I have one of the best experts on sleep on the show today and this has been the year that I have slept the least amount in my whole life. Sleep deprivation has definitely been the hardest part of motherhood for me, but we're getting we're getting our groove on. And it was a great reminder for me. I've always loved sleep. I've always pretty much been a good sleeper. I'm an eight to nine hour a night kind of girl. Uh, now that's not so much the case, but I really, really thrive on sleep and no one messes with my sleep. Like if somebody wants to do something late at night, I'm like, no. And if somebody wants to have a meeting early in the morning, I'm like, no, <laughs> I need my sleep and I need my time. And I've really felt the impact of having no sleep. And I've talked about sleep in the past, how you can't catch up on weekends. And I've always been a big proponent of it. So I experience, you know, what it's like to not have sleep. You just, it really impacts all areas of our life. Now, motherhood is one of those seasons where it just is what it is. Poor design flaw on whoever designed the human experience. Like, I'm not sure what's up with the whole mom's not sleeping thing. Whenever I, you know, get up to wherever we go after we die, up or over or down or whatever direction we go. I'm going to talk to the powers that be and be like, hey, if I'm going to come back as a mother again. Let's reinvent this whole sleep thing. Anyway, let me tell you a little bit about Devin. He is an international and TEDx speaker. He's a best-selling author of The Sleep Advantage, the founder of the Sleep Science Academy, and one of the top health and sleep coaches in the world. His books and keynotes and programs and videos have inspired thousands of people to improve their sleep, energy, and life. He gives you lots of practical tips in this episode, which I like. We don't just talk about theory. It actually tells you some great things to do, especially if you can't sleep in the middle of the night. Like if you wake up that 2 to 6 a.m. time, oof, it's brutal to wake up that time, and you can't get back to sleep. He has some great tips for that. Devin's mission is to give the 40 plus million people who suffer from poor sleep the tools and the support they need to stop suffering and start sleeping as quickly as possible. Before we dive in, I also want to invite you all to a love masterclass. My husband and I are teaching on Valentine's Day. So this is for the ladies. We're teaching a love masterclass on, hold on, calling him in. Learn how to attract a man who is your true match. So we'll talk about ways you can shift out of frustration and enjoy the dating process, how to connect with your feminine, how to break the cycle of attracting emotionally unavailable men, and so much more. So if you want your free seat for that, go to christinehauser.com slash love masterclass. Again, christinehauser.com slash love masterclass. And I'd like to thank my sponsor for the show, which is Organifi, my favorite place to get all kinds of yummy, nutritious things. Today, I want to talk to you about their Organifi Gold. This is an alternative to melatonin. Maybe some of you take melatonin to relax, to go to sleep, which is great. But how about something that's super delicious? Organifi Gold is this awesome turmeric powder mixed with all kinds of other yummy stuff, different mushrooms and adaptogens and all kinds of yummy stuff that you can put in your almond milk, your coconut milk, your regular milk, whatever, heat it up and just savor it. It's so, so yummy and it really can help you with sleep struggles. It's a great melatonin alternative. Melatonin has a half-life. So for some of us, it can leave us feeling a little groggy the next day. So 
Instead, if you're looking for something to just relax you, help you with sleep, help a little with inflammation, and that just tastes really, really good, go to Organifi.com slash over it, get your turmeric gold. Well, they don't call it turmeric gold. They call it just gold. <laughs> I call it turmeric gold because it has so much yummy turmeric in it. And add it to your cart and you get 20% off as my listener using the promo code over it. And now on to my interview with Devin. Devin, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Oh my gosh. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I feel like (laughs) this is an ironic podcast interview for me to be doing right now because I am probably, not probably, I am the most sleep deprived I've ever been in my entire life. And I'm talking to a sleep expert, (laughs) so I can't wait for you to tell me all the bad things it's doing to my body. (laughs) I was just going to say, I don't know if this is the best time, to be honest, because, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, No, no, we'll we'll help you out. Yeah, yeah. I I just don't know. I I think there are some fundamental flaws in human design. And when I die, I'm going to have a chat with the board of directors up there and be like, okay, can we just talk about periods, childbirth, and the first year of motherhood and sleep deprivation and go like, why, why, why is it designed like this? Like, come on, come on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Put (sighs) a good word for me too while you're up. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. And you know, my first question, and I think I can answer a little bit of it in terms of why is sleep so important? Well, this is what I've noticed without sleep. Everything in my life suffers. I forget words. I was reading my daughter a book about animals. And these were not exotic animals. It was like farm animals and zoo animals. And I was looking at a giraffe going, I have no idea what animal this is. <laughs> I just called it a bear. <laughs> that, that's when you know you need more sleep. When you start to uh, confuse giraffes and bears, that's like sure sign. It's yeah, they for- live in completely different climates. They're like nothing alike. Anyway, so tell me, and my sleep do you want me to brain. totally just freak you out right yeah, now? Yeah, please do. Listening to please, this? please do. Please well, do. Well, I mean, here's the thing. There, there's not an important area of our, of our health that's not impacted directly by sleep or sleep right. deprivation. What you're experiencing is completely normal um, because it's during the night that, you know, short-term memory gets shuttled to long-term storage. It's, you know, glucose regularization. It's when our hormones get um, released, like growth hormone and testosterone, it's there's so much that's happening throughout the night that allows our body and mind to actually work properly throughout the day that when we are not getting enough sleep or enough quality sleep, I mean, every aspect of our entire existence starts to go downhill and it's from our energy to weight gain, memory, a huge one. There's a lot of studies that link, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia because, you know, the glimpse system, it's like the limb system for the brain that's most active during the deeper stages of sleep. So that's when like beta amyloid, the tau, and the plaque that builds up on our brains, that actually creates dementia and Alzheimer's. That's when that's actually getting flushed out. Like our cells shrink. It's insane. Our, our cells in our brain shrink and this cerebral spinal fluid washes off all the toxins, all the things that build up from the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we mm-hmm. eat, even if we're eating organic and we're living in Austin and we're <laughs> you know, doing all the right things, you know, we live in a toxic world. And so it's during the night when our immune systems are most active. And I don't know if you, you're experiencing this, but oftentimes, you know, um, when we're not getting enough sleep, whether it's because we're a new mom or we have insomnia, we get sick. We get yeah. sick often, you know, um, 
actually, I, I was reading an interesting study, like even the uh, like the flu vaccines don't work as well or any, you know, just because our immune system, that's during the night when our immune system is most active right. and, and it's cleaning up the cancerous cells. It's repair and recovery on every level is happening, um, you know, during these different stages of the night. So I, did I totally freak you out? Oh, I mean, I've, I've known all this. I've known this is not good. And the problem now is my baby is sleeping. She goes to bed at seven. I, I get her up. She wakes up between six and six 30. Okay. And, but two things are happening. I have a very vocal child. She's vocal during the day. She doesn't have words, but all day long, she's making sounds. And at night she just will go ah, 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 and then go back to sleep. And any little sound she makes wakes me up. And yeah. so I'm, I'm bracing myself all night long. But the other thing is from the months and months of sleep deprivation, I think my cortisol is total, not think, I know my cortisol is totally hijacked. And yeah. from two to 6 a.m., I have the hardest time. Like if I wake up, if I wake up at midnight, I can get back to sleep. But if I wake up anytime after two, especially after three, it is so hard for me to get back to sleep. And I know that's not just true for me. I know a lot of people that three to 6 a.m. time, it's when we can often get the deepest sleep. That used to be my favorite time, like three to 7 a.m. Yeah. I used to love that time of sleep. But now it's like, if I, if, if I hear her, I wake up or I just wake up because that's just what moms do is just wake up and they're like, is my child okay? Um, or at least me. I'm sure a lot of moms don't do that, but I do it. <laughs> Maybe when she's a little older, I won't hopefully pray, pray to God that it doesn't last. But that's just a really hard time to go back to sleep. Why is that? Yeah. I mean, well, for you and your specific situation, that's by design. That's, that's like programmed in our biology. Um, to, you know, when you have a newborn to be more hypervigilant just to protect your child. Right. So that's literally, that's, that's by design, you know, for, for most other people that maybe are not, um, you know, don't have young, young children or that are just waking up during that time. It's what people don't realize is every 90 minutes we complete a full sleep cycle and there's different stages of sleep within a sleep cycle. We're actually coming up out of sleep. And so you're actually, you're just most of the, in most cases, you're just not aware that you're awake because the first stage of sleep is you're kind of coming in and out of consciousness. So what can happen is as you transition throughout the night, for whatever reason, it could be noise. It could be, you know, some dream you're dreaming about stress. It could just be stress that pulls you out of your, you know, your sleep it kind of uh, takes you all the way out where you're conscious. And then what happens is the, the mind starts to go. Um, and that's really the thing that keeps most people up. The waking up part isn't really that big of a deal because literally every 90 minutes we're sent, you know, we're, we're pretty much waking up. We're just not always conscious of it. Um, it's when we're fully awake, it's when the mind starts to go and we start to think about, you know, how many hours of, you know, how many, how many hours we have until the day starts, mm -hmm. or we start to think about like business stuff or our relationship, or, you know, it's not always like negative things. Sometimes it could be like ex exciting things that are happening in your life that just, you get this mind rev and then your body starts to respond and your body starts to, you know, release cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline. And that's really the last thing that you want to be happening. That hyper arousal loop gets kind of anchored to that time. Um, and then it becomes like a pattern. It becomes like a, you know, a psychophysiological pattern 
that really needs to be broken. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways to break it. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that in our, in our combo here. Yeah. So well, actually let's go to that because I'm sure people are saying, oh gosh, that's me. I wake up and I start thinking of things. How do I stop? Because I know for me, even though it's by design, if I wake up and I'm like, oh, she's okay. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong. I can go back to sleep. And then I'm laying there going, go back to sleep, go back to sleep. And I just, just, (laughs) and I'm praying, I'm like praying, any angels of sleep, please help me go back to sleep. Right, right, right. Praying to the Sandman. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So this kind of sounds counterintuitive, but it's really when, you know, so one of the big things that I've noticed, and literally we've helped thousands of people all over the country that have the worst, when I say the worst sleep issues, I mean the worst, like on 30 medications, Mm. 30 years insomniac. Um, and this is the one thing that when people get and they, they fully understand and like embody, it just changes everything. Um, and it's the practice of embodied acceptance. And so the, the thing is you can't force or control sleep. And what I found, what I've discovered after working with so many people with this issue is that that's, there's subtle ways that we kind of slip into trying to force and control something we have no control of. Right. Mm. So this could look at like. I'm going to even like meditate or have, have a cup of tea, um, or stretch. And then that doing all that, then I'm going to sleep. So there's this like subtle expectation that gets attached to these things that we do throughout the night to, to support sleep that then actually create pushes sleep further away from us. So it's really, really interesting. Like this, even the smallest distinction of knowing like, okay, there's nothing I can do actually to get back to sleep. So let me just let go and accept that I'm awake. Mm. That paradoxically shifts the body back into a state of rest. And in that state of rest, sleep happens. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's say me or someone wakes up at Mm 3am. Walk us through what we can do in that moment. Yeah. So let's start with what not to do. Okay. So, so you wake up, after about 20 minutes, if you're still awake, you do not want to stay in your bed. Now, okay. there's a few reasons for this, and this is really hard for some people because it's like, what do you mean I have to get out of bed? I'm trying to get back to sleep. You don't want to anchor wake and bed, wakefulness and bed. So after about 20 minutes, and you don't have to like set up, you don't want to look at the clock either. So don't look at the clock. And you kind of just feel into it. If, if after about 20 minutes, you're still awake, remove yourself from your bed and bedroom. As hard as that is, just trust me, do it. Go to, we'll have a place and a plan. So go to a place, something that's low lit and have a plan for what you're going to do that can, uh, and, and depending on, you know, the reason why you're waking up, if you're really hyper aroused, like the people we work with, they're having like sometimes like full blown like panic attacks, you know, you want to there's different techniques and things to sort of bring that energy down, but you just want to go to the place and do something that's relaxing and release the expectation of I'm doing this so that I can get back to sleep. I'm just Mm. doing this because this is going to support sleep to happen. And then once you get sleepy, just get back in bed and don't, and and just notice that your mind's going to probably, you know, continue to, to think about things and, and just literally, it's like, don't do anything. Just get back in bed and don't do anything. What about TV? <laughs> no TV. TV's <laughs> the worst, especially in the middle of the night. Like no technology 
Um, and they're, they're really the studies show it's not just the blue light, you know, that everyone's like, oh, blue light, blocking glasses and like all this stuff. It's really the, it's the hyper arousal that comes from, you know, watching shows or checking our email or checking our social media accounts. It just revs up the brain like you could be yeah. in a physically relaxed state, but your mind is sort of it's activating the mind. So anything that you want to do things that are mindless, if you're up in the middle of the night um, and just become more mindful, like I'm a huge believer in like just connecting back to your breath. It's like the simplest, easiest thing to connect back to the parasympathetic nervous system. So go to your place, you know, maybe just take a couple deep breaths, just relax and, and just try not to think like notice when you're thinking about sleep. That's another thing. Like notice that you're having these thoughts of like, Oh my God, I'm up again. Or how long am I going to get back to sleep? Or, um, just notice that you're having those thoughts and let those thoughts be there, watch them come, watch them go. And then when you feel ready, when you're sort of the sleepiness starts to come back online and it will, then just get back in bed. I mean, really it's, it's, it's that simple. You don't have to overcomplicate it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you're saying that because one thing I learned with, um, trying to support my daughter's sleep. And we talked about this when I, when I saw you in person is, um, and I learned it from this woman named Shane Rowley, who's amazing is about K complexes and sleep buses with babies and how they wake up naturally. And, and my, my problem with Athena and why we were just up all night is because whenever she'd wake up, I was immediately there bouncing her or soothing her or nursing her. And so she never really learned how to go back to sleep, that waking up is okay and natural. She was just dependent on a lot of crutches to get to sleep. And so when, um, I learned about sleep science, I'm so curious what you think about, you know, sleep science for adults versus babies. Um, I learned that she has a K complex, which is like this time she wakes up where she's not really awake. She may be crying, but she's still kind of in a sleep state. And it's, it's best not to intervene at that time because that's the time when she's just going to go back to sleep on naturally on her own. And hers is on, is long. It's like 12 minutes that she has every, every baby is like nine to 12 minutes. And then she has these things called sleep buses. And when she, if she doesn't go to sleep in that K complex, she's not going to really get another sleep bus until 40 minutes. So let's say she wakes up at 1:40 AM. Next sleep bus isn't going to come till 2:20. So when I would go in and, and soothe her and pat her and shush her and sing her my songs and all that, I would make sure to go in, not in the K complex and not when the sleep bus was approaching, because then I was the one putting her to sleep versus like her catching the bus herself. Mm. And it was so helpful for me to have the science of sleep there and to watch it actually work and to go, oh my gosh, she just needed some help at the bus stop because there wasn't a sleep bus there. But once it came, she just like got back on it and went back off to sleep. And it was to the minute. It was literally to the minute. And it helped me so much. And I see it with myself. Like if I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm, like you said, 20 minutes, I I don't go to sleep within my K complex. I might as well just get up and wait for that next sleep bus to come and then catch it versus like torturing myself, trying to force myself back to sleep, you know? That is, I love the analogy of the sleep bus and that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Uh, And it just, and I think it's so important just to like understand and be mindful of when you are trying to control something that you can't control. Like I always like to tell people like getting sleep, it's, it's just like breathing and your heart beating. You don't have to think about sleep. So 
it, you know, if you ever find yourself trying to do things so that you, you, you'll go back to sleep, that's a subtle form of control. And just notice yeah. that you're doing that and stop because that's creating the, it creates these underlying expectations of I'm going to do this and then this is going to happen. Yeah. And that's a form of resistance and it's a, it's a form of stress and it's enough to actually be the very thing that then can keep you up for the rest of the night. Yeah. And it was, it was funny. Like I thought I was really helping my daughter, but I was probably just stressing her out more because it was like confusing for her, you know, every time she waked up to have this dependency on something. And it's so beautiful to watch her kind of go in her little K complex and like, go, ah, 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 and then just like readjust and back to sleep. You know, versus yeah. like getting so, you know, um, almost stressed out because she didn't know how to do it. If, so it's it starts well, young. I, <laughs> this whole I, sleep lo- thing. I love that you. No, it really does, and it's so. So one of the biggest things I think that really is so helpful for people when they're struggling with their sleep is just doing things to reconnect and co- have that trust come yeah. back online that your body knows how to sleep, mm-hmm. like. Your body knows that you don't have to do anything. Actually, there are millions of people tonight, Christine, that will do all of the wrong things and actually they'll sleep. Now, could they be sleeping better? Yes. Mm-hmm. But somehow in, in our culture, we've, we've like, we're like hyper obsessed perfectionist. No, <laughs> and we're, can't relate. I'm going to try to control this thing called sleep because it's important. And we come up with all these stories of all the things that we need to do because, you know, some smart person told us that we need to you know, take this magnesium supplement and we need to, you know, do this, have our bed be the perfect temperature. Like, yeah, those things actually are helpful, but to think that you need to do anything in order to sleep is a flawed thought because it's not true. Like your, your body, your body knows how to sleep. You know, Mm. we were all born with the ability to sleep, but somehow we create all these stories around all the things that we should be doing or, or need to like, what you said, these crutches, they become crutches. Yep. Um, and I'm not saying that those things, there are things that are like real science that's, you know, magnesium, vitamin D, like getting sun at proper times, making sure your bed is, is, you know, supportive and cooling. And yeah, of course that all supports sleep. But the truth of the matter is our bodies know how to sleep. It's like, we just have to get out of the way. Yeah. Um, Well, it's hard to get our mind out of the way. It's really hard to get our mind out of the way when, you know, especially if we aren't sleeping or we know we only have a short amount of time to sleep and we feel that sleep pressure. It's, it's tough. It's really tough. It absolutely can be. And then it becomes a pattern. So it, and that's really where the practice of like embodied acceptance of like just accepting that your reality is that you're awake and not resisting it is the fastest way to then allow your body to do what it knows how to do, which is sleep. So we get up, what, can we just move to a different part of our bed or we have to get out of bed and go to a different room? Cause I'm thinking of me, like I, I, and this, they're going to be a podcast sponsor next week. Actually, I have this thing called Sensate. I don't know if you know of it, but do you like Sensate? Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm so glad they're going to be a sponsor. So everybody Listen to next week's episode because there's going to be a promo code for you. Um, but you put it on your chest and it stimulates, it helps relax the vagus nerve and I love it. So what I've been doing is I've just been sitting up and turning that on and sometimes that helps me. So do I need to go to a different room or can you just kind of sit up and go to a different part of your bed? 
Yeah, I mean, in my professional opinion, I would, if you were my client, I would say actually remove yourself, go to go to a place where you don't want to like then anchor like your couch or like go to like a, a if you have like a reclining chair, like go somewhere else. Um, because again, it's like the body loves rhythm and routine and we also anchor certain states to certain places. So, you know, it, it really, and here's the thing, it really depends on the situation. It depends on the person, but what we have all our clients do and our clients, the clients that when I say clients, these are people that have chronic either onset insomnia or maintenance insomnia. So they have trouble mm-hmm. either falling asleep or staying asleep. Um, we, we have them just go to to another place because we just don't want to anchor that wakefulness to the bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it is hard. Like some, some of our, uh, the people that I work with, they, they really like fight me on this, like, you know, but it works. And so okay. I'm like, listen, just trust it. It's called stimulus control. Um, there's actually, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a technique. And, and here's the other thing though. It's a lot of times people have like, they want like these absolutes, like these answers, like, can I do this? Should I do this? It like, sometimes you just have to connect back to your own, like inner wisdom and just listen to that. Uh, so, but I always say, try things on for a certain amount of time. And then, and then at some point, then you just, you, you can start to let some of these quote unquote rules or guidelines go. And some people need more guidelines and more sort of rules. And then some people need a lot less. So it yeah. just depends on like where that person is with their personality type and, um, their health history and some of these other factors that, that affect. Okay. So you want to go somewhere. You don't want to start like doing your laundry or doing something super stimulating or trying to get stuff done around the house. You want to go somewhere, be in a wake state, but more relaxed state, read a book. That's not too stimulating. That's great. Yeah. And uh, books I like, I always recommend read like a spiritual book, like something that'll, you know, like an Eckhart Tolle new earth or something, something that by just reading it, it kind of, puts you in a relaxed state. Yeah. Like don't be reading like a romance novel that's getting y'all worked up like or like some kind of like thriller. That's not what you Yeah. Or even a personal development or entrepreneurial book. Like nothing self helpy either. No, no. Yeah. You don't want to that's not the time for that. Like during the day, great, but the time like read maybe the Bible or read the Bhagavad Gita or like Mm -hmm. read whatever, you know, some type of spiritual text that will just just by reading it, it sort of alters your state. Those are the best books to read. Okay. In the um, I'm curious if, well, this is like a two-part question. So in, in your work, if you've noticed, I mean, I'm sure stress is the answer, but I'm curious if there are even more reasons. Like what causes sleep problems in the first place with insomnia and things like that? And have you ever linked or has anyone ever linked childhood sleep, like not really learning how to sleep well as a child to adult issues with sleep? Yeah. So I'll answer the first question, then we'll, we'll, we'll slide right into the second. So a hun- you nailed it. It is stress. A hundred percent it's stress. Um, so I like to give the analogy of like the balloon, like stress isn't a bad thing, but the challenge is a lot of people don't, you know, the, the, our balloon is sort of like either filling up, right. And it's getting bigger and bigger. And that's, that's when we're getting stressed. That needs to be that valve, that air needs to be let out of the balloon all day long. And if you're not letting air out of your stress balloon, so to speak, towards the end of the day, the balloon is so blown up 
that it takes so much to get your body then back into that state of rest. And, and then this becomes a pattern and it becomes an issue for people. And sometimes it's, you know, challenge falling asleep. Sometimes that stress, they're able to fall asleep or they're using something like alcohol to, to help, you know, get them to sleep, but then you're waking up. Um, so really understanding how to mitigate stress, how to, how to relate to stress in healthier ways, um, having breaks throughout the day, mm-hmm. um, just dealing with whatever those stressful thoughts are, like really having strategies to shift those thoughts and beliefs and stories that are creating stress that might not be true. Like those are all the tools that are really important. I think for people to start to shift that because and here's the thing. So stress and sleep are bi-directionally linked. So what that means is the more stress you have, the less sleep you get, the less sleep you get, the more stress you experience. So it's like this, this loop that can happen. And as soon as you, how to get off the loop is to just understand how to better manage your capacity and deal with the stresses head on in healthier ways versus lashing out in anger or zoning out with social media or numbing out with food or alcohol or drugs. Um, we really need to learn how to, I say, master our stress. Um, because stress, stress isn't the problem really. Cause life is stressful. I mean, it's just, it's how we relate to it and what we do and don't do that really makes the difference. So true. So true. And what about when it's just stress you can't control really? Like mm-hmm. you have a death in the family or you have a new baby or, um, it's just something that like, you're just in a certain season and it's just a time in life when life is just asking more of you and you're, you're edging a bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, I think getting support, that's, that's the perfect time to, you know, raise your hand and, and get support. Um, and, and just accept it. Like there are times in life, like, you know, people die, things happen, you know, we have babies and, you know, we lose businesses and, you know, that's life. Right. And during those times, it's just really understanding, asking yourself, well, you know, your how you, what, whatever you were doing to mitigate your stress before that event, you need to kind of like take it to the next level because that's not going to be enough to help you get back to that homeostatic sort of place. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of different tools and therapies and techniques and things that you can connect to, but it really just depends on your, you know, your level of openness, um, and awareness. And then just, uh, you know, in those times, like that's when you, you know, get support. Like if you're, you know, if you're struggling and you're in one of these, you know, places where you just you can't find your way, like, you know, get support. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the time that to, to really just to be vulnerable and just ask for help. I mean, a lot of, a lot of us are, you know, we have a hard time asking for support and asking for help. You know, we have a lot of pride and, you know, our egos or whatever. And it's just like, I mean, so just putting all that aside and just, you know, asking for extra support and communicating that yeah. and then honoring it. That's, that's what we do in those times. And I think it's hard to, and I'm aware this is just such an example of my memory that I asked you another question before you answered the second question of that two part question I asked you earlier. So I'll come back oh, to that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think it's difficult because a lot of times, like there just, there just isn't support. Like I can think of a, a, a friend of mine and she's a single mom and running a business on her own and she can't really afford a nanny and she is 
you know, friends come over from time to time, but no one's there during the night and she's just having to be in survival mode, you know? And so I guess, okay, I'll throw in one more question. Then we'll go back to the childhood thing. How can we recover from knowing that we're just like me or someone else who's gone through a series of stress and a series of sleep deprivation? Because right now my body's in a habit of waking up. How can we recover? And can we recover? Because I've always said, because I've been a big sleep proponent, I was an eight hour sleep, dark room, don't mess with my sleep. I don't, I don't, if you ask me to a dinner that starts at eight, forget about it. Like I was a very, very good sleeper <laughs> Yeah, and I miss it, but I love my baby so much. So I understand. Um, but I've always said you can't just work all week and then quote unquote, make up for sleep on the weekends. It, it, it doesn't work like that, but maybe I'm wrong. Can we make up yeah. for sleep? How that- do we recover? Yeah, great question. And and so just, Christine, I would just connect to like, this is just a season of life. It's going to pass. Yeah. Um, it, it will. And our bodies are extremely resilient. I mean, I like just connecting to the fact like we, we can eat all of the wrong things and still like our body somehow like turns it into fuel. And it's just our bodies are incredible, incredibly resilient. And Again, so like when you're going through like a tough season, whether it's insomnia or you don't, you know, you feel like you you can't find the support for whatever reason, or, you know, just practicing that acceptance and just knowing that this is just a season, it's going to pass and then releasing the expectation to when, because that's the other key there, um, right. is the best way to sort of navigate the challenge. Uh, it, it really is. It, it's just, we can just you know, just accept like, Hey, this is a reality and it's, it's painful and it sucks, but it's going to pass. And, and then connect back to the the miracle of what our bodies are capable of. Um, that's sort of the best mindset. And, and, you know, so depending on who you ask, as far as like, can you catch up on your sleep and how do you sort of recover from that? You know, there's different theories on that. In my own personal experience, I feel like your body again, it has this intelligence and it, it will do what it needs to do in order to find its balance again. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example, a personal example. This past weekend, I was in Costa Rica, um, for four days with a bunch of guys for a bachelor party. And as you can imagine, <laughs> we were not getting a lot of sleep and there's, you know, I'm not a big drinker and I'm like, you know, and these guys are out. And so, you know, I wasn't getting sleep and <laughs> And so getting back, my body, I'm sleeping more. Like normally I sleep, I would say between, I don't know, eight hours. I'm sleeping like eight and a half hours. And my body's just doing that. And then it'll start to taper it off. It'll get back to eight hours. So it's, I think that we need to give our bodies more credit, the intelligence of our bodies, and that you can, you can't really catch up on sleep because you can't go back in time. Like that's, that's one way of looking at it. But the body, it has an intelligence and it's just, we need to get out of the way of that intelligence. And when I say we, I mean like the, the voice in our head, <laughs> all the stories and the things that we tell ourselves and all the beliefs, it's just like, if you can let some of that stuff go or just see the things that aren't really that true, then the body does what it knows what it, how to do, which is, which is sleep, which is survive. Um, and so that's, that's my thoughts on that. Mm, mm. Okay. So we recover. Um, so 
check, will you circle back to the childhood sleep and connections to trouble with adult sleeping? Yeah. So yeah, no, this is absolutely, so we come into the world with certain chronotype. So we have something, you know, there's, there's a science called chronobiology. So we, so, you know, and this, some people are more like evening type people. Some people are more morning type people. Some people are somewhere in between. So genetics does play a role in our sleep schedules and, you know, um, just how light or deep of a sleeper we are. And then of course, you know, there, there's the, the nature and the nurture, right? So then there's experiences of like, did your, did your parents sleep train you in a certain way? Or like, was it really stressful childhood or like a really dangerous environment that you were sleeping in? And absolutely all of that can impact, you know, your sleep throughout the rest of your life mm -hmm. if you don't deal with it. 100%. Um, and it sounds like what you're doing with Athena is, is you're setting her up for massive sleep success. Um, and, but yeah, for sure. So it is the, there is some nature and there's nurture here mm -hmm. that does carry into the rest of our life when it comes to sleep. What have you noticed with sleep training babies? So honestly, I don't know anything about sleep training babies. <laughs> you just know I, the adult babies. <laughs> I just, I deal with adult babies. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm an adult baby guy. Um, but there are some amazing people and it sounds like you are working yes, with. Yes. I found an amazing person and I just knew I needed to do something because I had my desire, which was I wanted to co-sleep and I wanted her in our room and everyone in the same bed, but no one was sleeping. She wasn't sleeping. I wasn't sleeping. It wasn't. And I did started doing an experiment of um, putting her in her crib and just sleeping on a mattress on the floor. And she slept so much better. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to <laughs> listen to, yeah. to what, you know, and that's, I think, you know, we'll go back to sleep in a second, but that's been one of my biggest lessons in parenting. It's looking at what, like my vision for what I want it to look like versus what my child really needs. Wow. And I think, yeah, that's powerful good. For, insight. Oh, it's so hard, Devin. It's so hard sometimes, but that's a powerful insight for ourselves too. Like we might really, like I have always been like, Oh, I wish I could be one of those people that likes to go out at night. And I've always judged myself as not being very fun, but really <laughs> you get me a 6am oh, workout. Yeah. I am so much fun. I mean, not these days, but that is when you will get me in my best mood is in the morning. Yeah. So yeah accepting that that's just my rhythm, um, and, and who I am. So I think that's an important point for us all to know. Um, if we don't know, if we've never really thought about it, how do we know our chronotype? What are some questions we can ask ourselves? Yeah. So you can take what's called an MEQ, uh, test. So you can what just is go it called? M, M E Q. M is yeah. Mary. And I'm, yeah. Yep. Um, and I'm trying to remember the exact, what that stands for. It's also, Dr. Michael Bruce, he's, he, you know, they call him America's sleep doctor. He has a kind of a fun quiz. I think it's the power of when quiz. And he kind of create, he, he created like, you know, you're an animal, like you're either a bear, a dolphin, a wolf or a lion. Um, so he has like a fun, a fun quiz that you can take on his website. Um, but essentially they just, they're, they're going to ask you questions and based off of the answers of your questions, they're going to guide you towards you're most likely this type of person. Uh, but if you're connected to your body and sort of intuitive, you kind of already know. Yeah. And so it, it what it, I love what you just brought up, though. I think it's I just kind of want to circle back for a second because I think there's a lot, uh, a lot of um, wisdom in what you just said. Where 
you know, we, we often go against our nature because of what we think we need or should be mm-hmm. doing or how we, or who we're comparing ourselves to. And as a culture, you know, culturally we are conditioned to see sleep as a weakness where it's, con- we're conditioned to see it as a waste of time. You know, you hear things like you snooze, you lose sleep mm-hmm. when you're dead, like sleeps for lazy. Um, and then you look at like our hustle culture, right? It's like, okay, you got to wake up at 4am and like go to the gym and be like, a badass. And if you're not doing that, you're like, not going to be successful. And, and then we, a lot of people buy into that. And, you know, the last thing that these people should be doing is waking up at 4am and like trying to like work out if if that's Mm -hmm. not your chronotype. And if that's not like how you're designed and built, if you're not that type of person, and you're trying to become that type of person by doing these things that are against your nature, you're, you know, you're, you're going to run into some issues. So, so learning just to like honor the gift that you've been given within yourself of how you relate to the world and your energy levels and your sleep schedules and like, just like being okay with that. Um, I think has, it takes off the pressure and allows us to really then just be able to show up in in our, as our best selves in, in in a way that's actually more powerful um, in the world. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I just wanted to kind of, yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I think it's true. I think that goes with everything about ourselves. I mean, self-acceptance is to me, the key to freedom in so many ways. It's just when we try to stop fitting in and we just find the fit for ourselves, it, it takes so much pressure off. Um, so you, you've talked about this in, in different parts of the interview, but I want to really just get it super clear for people. So if they hear you say, Oh, this, they, they stop doing it. What are some of the biggest mistakes we make when it come, when it comes to improving our sleep? What, what are, can you just list the things we're doing wrong that aren't going to help yeah, us? There's, yeah, for sure. And so, and, and I like, I like to break things down into three important areas and we'll, I'll just like, so there's the psychology, the physiology, and then the environment. So we'll just go in that order. Like, you know, so, and how, how you think about your sleep affects your sleep. So if you believe that you're a poor sleeper, if you, you know, think that if you, you know, anything that's any thought that's going to create fear is not going to be good for your sleep. So understanding, you know, how, how, how you relate to your sleep and understanding how you relate to stress, that's really going to be the biggest lever you could pull that would affect your sleep. So if right now you you know that you're under a lot of stress, if you're not dealing with it right uh, or in healthier ways, if you're using food or alcohol or numbing out or zoning out, like that would be the most important thing to address is like discover what's creating the most stress and how can you get support and how can you, uh, how willing are you to change your behavior to then mitigate some of that stress? So that would be like the first thing. And it easiest way, um, like a strategy that I've seen so helpful for so many people, especially a lot of high performing entrepreneurs. And that's we work with a lot of them is just creating like breaks. Like don't go from one thing to the next thing, like have a little bit of a, of like a transition between let's say a task or a meeting, like just create a little bit of space throughout your day. That makes a massive difference to your ability to wind down at night. Mm -hmm. So that would be, it's like so simple and we often overlook it because we're like just going from one thing to the next thing. And it's like, 
it just becomes like our days become like this blur and that's a form of stress. Mm -hmm. So creating those little breaks, massive, massive difference. Um, getting outside really, I mean, kind of going more into the physiology here, but we, most people spend so, so much of their day inside behind a computer. It is so not natural. So, you know, if you can wake up, get outside, get some sun on your skin, um, move your body and start your day in a, in a more relaxed state. Meaning like the first thing you should do is drink a liter of water because we lose about a liter of water through respiration and sweat throughout the night versus the coffee, which is yeah. going to, you know, our cortisol's highest in the morning. So you, now you're, you're drinking coffee, which is going to raise that cortisol even more. And it's also a diuretic. So it's going to dehydrate you. Yep. So save save the coffee for like an hour after you wake up. Um, and if you could do, you know, start your morning off with some type of mindfulness practice or some type of movement that really goes a long way in creating more capacity for you to deal with the stress, which then at the end of the day makes it easier for your body to, to shift back into that parasympathetic state. Yeah. Um, yeah. not eating too close to bedtime. This is, you know, again, we're kind of in the physiology now it's a lot of times people eat way too late and we don't want to be digesting our food when our body is, you know, doing all these amazing things that it does. Um, and so having like a fasting window of three to four hours is really, really important if you want to get into the deeper stages of sleep, especially in that first, you know, first two cycles, which is where most of the Delta deep sleep happens. And that's where you know, our immune systems are most active. The glimpse system is, you know, removing that plaque. So if you can start to eat earlier and then go to bed fasting, that would improve your sleep quality 100%. Uh, obviously staying away from devices, um, too close to bed. So having a bedtime routine is, is important. So like how you start your day and how you end your day, super, super important when it comes to sleep. Yeah. Um, and then environment, you know, making sure your rooms, it's simple, it's cool, it's dark and it's quiet. So, you know, make your, the bed, get a nice bed, invest in a nice bed. You deserve it. And you're on it for a third of your life. So like get something that is supportive, that's temperature regulating, that, you know, that you can't wait to jump into and get some bamboo sheets because mm -hmm. bamboo is the best. So they're cooling. So all these little things, right? There's, there's so many little things that, and I don't want to overwhelm people and hopefully I'm not, but there's so many little things that you could do. And it's just a matter of just experimenting with some of these things and then really measuring it because we can't manage what we don't measure. So do you measure your sleep, Christine? I, I used to, it would be atrocious right now if I did. Like I'm, okay. I'm looking at my phone cause I'm monitoring the temperature in her room. I'm looking at a monitor and that was another thing. I was like, I would not have a monitor for my child. No EMF, but, but you try to be a mother <laughs> and oh, sleep without being able to see your child. Yeah. But we actually, yeah. I mean, this is, you probably don't even care, but we're moving her into our closet because um, we want to not use a monitor anymore. So we're, we're re-rigging our closet and, and putting a vent in there and everything. So we can just have her in the closet and not use a monitor because we just, we, we really thought she was just going to sleep in our bed or in our room. And, you know, we just had to make changes. So we're doing everything we can to make her sleep environment cool and dark and, and all the things. Um, 
but I used to sleep track. I used to turn my Wi-Fi off at night. I used to not eat three hours before bed. Um, I used to do all the things and now I do all the wrong things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so, well, you know, the the thing is like all that stuff is, is really for sleep quality. Yeah. It's not, it's the, 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 it's not, and, and yes, EMF can, can yeah, for sure has an impact on our circadian rhythm and, and our health. Um, but sometimes I, you know, you can, you can overdo it and yeah. you can get like hyper obsessed oh, with like all these things. And totally. it's like, you know, I've been there myself and it's, it's just, then you're like, wait, I'm stressing out about this stuff. It's like, okay, that's the thing that's actually keeping me up. Not like yep. the actual thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's one of these things that you can, but I, I think it is important to measure it because, you know, you don't have to measure it for your entire life, but if you want to improve something, at least understanding like where you are and then making some of these changes that we're talking about, even if it's like a mindset shift and seeing how that actually does make a difference, then it becomes real. It's like, yeah, you know, and then it's like, it's not just in your head. It's actually, you have like tangible data to say, oh my gosh. Like I practiced that acceptance thing. I, I removed myself from the bedroom, you know, and yeah, I was able to fall asleep like way faster, um, yeah. back to sleep way faster than before. Like, okay, this, that was effective. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's why I, I think if you're having sleep challenges, don't track your sleep if you're not getting support. Cause that's the other thing. So that's important for me to say, cause if you don't know what you're doing and you're tracking your sleep and, and it, you know, you're trying to figure it out by yourself and all the things you, you're trying like aren't quote unquote working, then that's going to be more stress. You're like, oh my right. God. So, so only track your sleep, I should say, if you have the proper support, um, then, it can, then it becomes super, super valuable and effective because you can see like, oh, I'm doing these things. Yes, it's working. Yep. Are there uh, sleep tracking apps you like, or do you like the Aura Ring? What's your favorite? Yeah, so we at Sleep Science Academy we use the Aura Ring. Um, the, you know, the algorithms and the technology has definitely improved massively in these other devices like Whoopstrap, uh, Apple Watch is is pretty good actually now. Um, but I I, just, I like the Aura Ring just because it's I don't like wearing things on my wrist, and I only wear mine at night. And it's just kind of like you kind of forget that's on your finger, and it, and it is put it does put off pretty consistent data. It's not perfect. None of these mm-hmm. devices are, mm-hmm. but really we're we're looking. I, I never look at one night of of data. I'm looking over several weeks and months of data. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I'm an Aura Ring guy. Okay, for now. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm gonna be thinking about you when I go to sleep tonight, and hoping that I don't have to get out of my bed. <laughs> go somewhere else, but I'm going to, I've been using my sunset at night, which really is helping. Um, and I think that the tip of getting out of bed after 20 minutes is brilliant because it's so much more frustrating and I think produces more anxiety to, to get out and, and sleep hygiene is important. I think it's, it's also, I call it sleep hygiene. I also call nervous system hygiene. It's just Mm. putting yourself in that rest and digest place so that, you can transition because I think so many of us transition from a busy day of work or parenting or whatever, like right into bed, um, or, or use like something like TV, which isn't, it's more of an escape transition than an actual nourishing transition. Well said. Um, and I like TV. I like to sit down. I'll do like a half an hour sometimes and just have my dinner and just turn off my brain. 
but I like to transition into sleep with some kind of meditation or reflection so that it's a supportive transition versus a escapism transition. Well said. I love that. We call it a bed buffer. Mm. So, so a bed buffer. So like, and that's between, you know, there needs to be a clear buffer between your day and your night. Um, right. and also your day and, and actually transitioning into sleep. And, um, and so, so there's like a little technique that'll be easy for mem for people listening to just remember two, one sleep. So three hours before bed, stop eating two hours before bed, stop working, like no work. Cause you you really need two hours for the brain to start to like close some of those browsers out. And then one hour before bed, that's when you start your like ritual, whether that's making tea and reading, or maybe it is watching a show once in a while, um, or stretching or meditating or just journaling, uh, or praying or doing a puzzle or whatever is going to, you know, kind of just allow your body just to sort of shift back into that rested state. Then right. just sleep happens. Sleep yeah. happens. Yeah. It's I, sleep is never the problem. Really. I mean, that's so important for people to understand. It's a result. And if, if, if you ever find yourself treating sleep like it's the problem, then how you're thinking about it is actually the problem. Right. Because it's not the problem. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. So how do people find out more about you? Do you coach people? Do you have a program? How do they, how do they get some sleep help? <laughs> uh, a couple of ways. So, um, you can go to sleepscienceacademy.com. Um, we work with people that have chronic insomnia. Uh, most of our clients are people that are on medication and they want to get off the medication or not need it. Although we, we support people, any, anyone really that has a sleep issue. And it is a program um, with one-on-one -on -one coaching, not from me, but from one of, uh, someone from my team. Um, and then we, we measure and track everything with the Aura Ring. It's eight-week curriculum. And uh, we have a 97% success rate. Like, it's insane. Wow. Um, and, and a money-back guarantee, which is also uh, insane. But that's because, anyway, so, um, but yeah, so that's how, for people that have, you know, real sleep issues, check us out there. And then my book, The Sleep Advantage, that it was a bestseller on Amazon. You can get that Amazon or Audible. Um, and that'll, that'll really give you some just clear actions and, and, and go a couple layers deeper than this conversation into like how to improve sleep. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much, Devin. This has been so insightful. Um, it just has reinforced so many things that I believe in. I think sleep is one of the biggest health hacks. It's like you can spend all kinds of money on supplements and all kinds of other things, but if you're not sleeping, it's hard. It's hard for the body to, to recalibrate. Um, and, and also, like you said, during those seasons of life, we're extremely resilient. And, um, and, and for me, like, I just know that if my sleep is not great right now, I'm, I'm being really careful with my food, you know, like That's I'm not it. surviving on caffeine. I'm not surviving on sugar. I'm like, okay, well, if this, if this lever is down, <laughs> which one can I pull up? And so you if your go. sleep lever is yeah. down right now, it's like, where can you optimize other areas of your life? I love that. That's it. That's the counter. I, I like the pendulum analogy. Mm, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, if the pendulum is swinging a little bit far to the other side, like what can you do just to kind of find that balance? Yeah. So, you know, that's, and then, and then just trust and know that it'll, it'll eventually find its way back. Yeah. Um, but sleep, it is the foundation of health. I mean, it really is. It is. It is. It is. Well, thank you so much, Devin. Everybody go check out Devin's work and his book and get some sleep. Turn off those phones. <laughs> <laughs>